and we are back with another Black Widow Cream podcast. New episode every single Wednesday and Sunday. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, a.k.a. Ben Real Verse World. And today's special guest is Cyrus Asar. Cyrus is an award-winning speaker, humanitarian, and suicide prevention expert. Cyrus travels the world empowering young kids to overcome their suffering and grow into greatness. He has authored three books, raising millions of dollars for nonprofits, and even was given his own holiday in his hometown of Massillon, Ohio, for his efforts. In this episode, Cyrus takes us through his incredible life journey from a dismantled childhood environment to becoming a very successful professional, making a positive impact on the world. World. We learn about his experience during childhood overcoming a situation where his dad sold drugs, his mom struggled with drug addiction, and his older brother was incarcerated, all while taking the responsibility at a young age to take care of his younger brother. His journey across the country from Atlanta to LA with only a trunk full of possessions and $88, he questioned if he would even make it. He calls this journey a full trunk in faith. His struggle through homelessness for a year and a half while he wrote his own book and started building a speaking career, eventually making enough money to get his own place. And his vast experience traveling the world, speaking to kids dealing with depression, abuse, and suicidal thoughts. Cyrus dives deep into drug abuse, family abuse, homelessness, and so many more eye-opening topics from a place of understanding and experience. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode today. But if this is your first time hearing this, you're probably wondering. What the fuck is Black With No Cream? Great question. Black Window Cream is the illest educational resource for content creators fueled by caffeine. Or at least I take my coffee Black Window Cream, but you can drink or not drink whatever caffeine you fuck with and still be a part of our community. We have thousands of members from all around the world working together by sharing content, asking for feedback, passing tips and tricks along to one another with the goal of pushing each other to become the best motherfucking content creators on earth. And you can join our private group if you want to by going to bwnc.com slash join. We would love to fucking have you. Please join. All right, that's it. Enjoy the work week. Keep creating. Make sure to tune in every single Wednesday and Sunday for a new Black With No Cream podcast episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Black With No Cream. Subscribe to us on this YouTube channel or if you're listening on Apple and all that other stuff, Spotify, you know, subscribe because we appreciate it um, and share it with anyone that you think would find it helpful. Without further ado, I bring to you my episode with Cyrus Asar and the most epic podcast intro ever created right motherfucking now attention if you stop this podcast recording at any time you will die I don't want to die do you want to live yeah. you have 24 hours to share this podcast with 5 people or you will die I'm kidding you won't die you're just weak shit for not sharing and the winner of the best motherfucking podcast goes to <gasps> Black with no cream. What do you think? It's so fucking dumb and so fucking Ben Haggerty. I knew you'd say that. And we're back. (laughs) That scare you? Definitely back. And we're back. My first podcast recording of 2020. Cyrus Asar, how you doing, dog? I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm glad to have you here. I'm happy to be here. I have so much to say. I'm I'm excited. And And I wanna inform a lot of people what's going on with mental health and Depression, suicide, was going on in school systems, was going on with he- everything, man. Right, I know. We could open it all up one at a time. Yeah, you. What did you say in text the other day? You're like, yo, I'm excited because I, I I can go unfiltered. Yeah, I can go unfiltered. Because you usually are filtered with in, in like the school systems and things when you're speaking. Yeah, in the school system, you have to be filtered. I mean, you can't curse on stage with ninth graders. You can't. They won't allow it. Especially depending on me. Like my voice is a lot deeper and aggressive than like Gary V. Right. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. you know, he's non threatening when he right. cuss. Right. So it doesn't mean anything to anybody. Right. You know. 
Um, we met, we met, uh, just to put context to this, we met at Matt Alonzo, had an event. When was that? Um, was me like and Tom don't get along. Yeah, I think it was the beginning of this year, me too. But um, you and I basically co-hosted that thing, and we started linking and talking. I was like, you you remind me of like three of my friends combined, which is so yeah. weird. Yeah, just the way you move and talk and the things that you talk about, I'm like, you remind me of a few people I know that, I'm like, that combo is fucking dope. And then um, researching it more and you telling me more about your story is so interesting. And I think, you know, suicide prevention, like in a nutshell, I- explain like you as a person, what you do. And I'll have prefaces in the intro too. Well, I travel, I travel the nation helping people deal with depression and suicide. More specifically, um, focused on high school kids mm-hmm. because I realize everything that's happening. Like when I grew up, my mother was on drugs. Right. So I started realizing even at that young age, I was doing mentorship for uh, kids when I was 13. I mean, it was literally just reading to second graders. Right. And I didn't know that was a program. And that's how it all started. And from that point, I started realizing there's so many people going through the same things I was going through because I was taking care of my little brother. Yeah. You know, because my dad didn't claim my little brother because it would have showed that he was cheating on his wife. Right. You know, so I started taking care of him. Then I started seeing that it's a whole lot of people going through these issues. So Mm -hmm. how can I help them as best as possible? And over 20 years, I fine tuned it. Yeah. Damn. And you've been speaking like that's like your main thing. You go around, you do public speaking, you're working with kids. And I feel like you try to tie in creativity too as well with it right like when you're kind of like helping people cope and learn how to deal with their their issues you tie creativity into it yeah you have to like even with this workbook that i'll talk about later it's no it's no one way to deal with an issue right like everybody is cut different everybody like if i talk to you about what you like to eat you might say steak you might say chicken Mm -hmm. i might say pasta it's just different and that's the same way it is mentally right like so even if you have depression and this person have depression you can't you can't attack it the same way right you have to look at it differently so you have to be creative within that Mm -hmm. because this person might this young girl that i've talked to you know lost her virginity to her father you know that took it then you got somebody that dealt with mental abuse far as you know, uh, grandparents abusing them because they got raised a certain way. Right. You got so many different factors that you can't address them all the same. So you have to get creative. And sometimes some people want it straightforward. Like you can tell people, listen, this is what you got to do. Some people want it roundabout. Some people want it sugarcoated. Some people is like kind of indirect. It's, it's so many different strategies you got to take to solve the same problem. That is, you have to be creative. There's no way to not be creative and get resolutions. Right. But I feel like, like in your path, you've just made crazy strides. Like, and I love to. I love. Thank you for sending me your, uh, your media, your press kit. Because I'm like, I love when people have a press kit. Yeah, like it just fucking throws all the facts in there and dials in. But you've lit, you. It said something. You raised like over six million dollars for nonprofits or something. Yeah, like that's a ridiculous, like that's not a ridiculous amount of money. Well, it started. I mean, I started at 13. Yeah, you know what I mean. But be, beyond that, I started when once I got to. Uh, college, I was throwing a concerts like you know, even MGK was one on, on one of my shows. Really? A lot of artists from Ohio. Oh yeah, right. You know, Ohio. and I was giving that money to the Boys and Girls Club and and all these, and that's how I got the Humanitarian Award, the youngest recipient. But I had an issue at that time because even when I was doing this, my dad was still selling dope right. and he was taking my college money and selling crack. So I knew that. So that was a pendulum that was swinging inside me too. So how am I helping the community? But on the same note. My dad is taking money from me to distribute crack. Right. You know what I'm saying? So my mom is smoking crack. My dad is selling crack. And I'm out here building the communities. 
So I used to have that internal issue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like you never know really what people are dealing with. You and never. that's always the, the craziest part of it is everyone's wearing different suits. Everybody, everybody is going through something. So it's like what side of what Do you want to add to somebody's problem or do you want to take away? Right. Because the most simplistic thing can really put somebody over the edge mm-hmm. because you just never know. I know right now we have this podcast, you know, on this podcast and you smiling, but don't nobody really know your ups and downs every day. Right. So they might look at your, your Instagram, see you, you know, doing the stuff Beyonce or whatnot. They're like, you know, this is great. But what about your downfalls? What about the things you're going through and all the ups and downs in your life and Everybody is like that. We mm-hmm. all are uh, um, showing this facade of who we are on social media too. Who really posts the, the times they crying because they don't know if their money is gonna come? Right. Nobody. Right. We post when we got it. You yeah. know. So that's so programmed within us, and it's taught even at a young age. Think about when somebody is like three years old, and somebody come in an uncle or whatnot, and they like go give your uncle a hug. No, go give your uncle a hug. You know, we're forcing. A behavior pattern that goes against what you even want to do and then picture that being programmed until you're 30 so some things is conscious some things is unconscious you just move it but what i'm saying is everybody's going through something whether it is conscious whether it's subconscious or whether it's unconscious and then there's certain triggers that it hits you and be like i didn't even know i never dealt with it you know what i mean yeah and it hits hard and then what do you do so going back to it, I know I'm talking a lot, but you know I got right, me excited. Please do. This is but, your, your time. But, but it's just the fact that a lot of people don't understand that everybody is going through something. Right. They won't get it. And if you understood that from an empathetic standpoint, it changes the way you look at the world. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, and so for us, it's like we're you know this podcast really focuses on creativity and like you know a lot of filmmaking, photography, touring, all that stuff like that. And one of the common things that we always find, and we talk about like the burnout process, like people running into burning out because they're stressed out of doing something over and over again, like giving all they got and they fail, fail, fail. Or a lot of people come up with creative depression. And I, and we talk about depression in the creative industry a lot. And so I'm excited for you to chat on this more and, and obviously dealing it's way beyond that. And I'm talking, my ours, our problems are always smaller than everyone else's, obviously, right? Like, you never know what other people have going on, but it's it's so intriguing to me, and I feel like you're right. Everyone has their own issues, um, and sometimes just learning how to express that shit can change your, your whole, your whole oh, lifespan. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's everything. But pain is relative, I will say this. Um, like, I talked to kids that was in Beverly Hills, right? And they were dealing with depression, suicidal thoughts, and all these different types of things. Why? Because their mother and father is not in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, they literally have a trophy mom, literally. So you're getting raised by your nanny. So when it's time to have Mother's Day, they're making their cards out to their nanny. Right. You know how, you know what that'll feel like? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then um, they're wishing, I wish I had my mom, I wish I had my dad. But on the, the perception is this guy got a Benz. This little kid got it all. Right. He can travel going on his yacht he like man i only see my dad four times a year right i only see my mom when i really like if i get injured right so what does it look what does that feel like it's mm. a subjective then on the other side i talk to kids in watts that never even been to the beach that That's really crazy. wish the wish to have the um beverly hills life you know but they do have more family they still got their mom and their grandma 
some of them don't got their father, but they got their mom and their grandma in the community sense. Because when you poor, you got like everything is community. Right. You know, we got to get this. We we all going to eat from here. We all going to get this slice of pizza. We all going to pitch in. But as I said, it's just it's 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 relative. Like when you start dealing with measuring pain, because we might feel like this person's life is harder than this person's life or this person got it easier than I got it. But we can't measure it, right? You know, because if somebody slap you on the hand and they slap me on the hand, I can say it's a three. You can say it's a seven. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can question how hard he he slapped both of us, right? So that same thing kind of scales out to people's problems, molestation to, um, I mean, all these different types of things, right. you know. So that's what I'm saying. So your perspective on this is really interesting, and I feel like you, you saying this comes from being 13 years old. You've been pursuing this goal of helping others, right? In yeah. a sense. Um, coming up and I want to circle back to your childhood more to figure out how you got to this point because it's so interesting you saying your mom's doing drugs and your dad's selling drugs you're in the middle of it but you're also trying to make an impact on your community your your career now is helping others yes sir currently it's almost like you got born into that because by default you just had an interest in not becoming those two paths that your family your exactly. parents were taking right can you talk more about your childhood i'm interested yeah in like, i mean it? it was a combination of a few i can talk about you know the good and the bad one thing i will say about my i start with my father my father was selling crack selling coke and all that stuff my brother um, I mean, my father passed away mm. but um he was there for everything that's like the strange dynamic when you sell drugs he never missed a basketball game we had all the shoes we had everything yeah you know but on the flip side, my mother was on drugs, but I stayed with my mother first. Hmm. So it was not the best environment, to say the least. Right. So I got a chance to visit both worlds. One, not having much, and then in the third grade going in with my father and then having Benzes and you know cars and traveling and you know uh, birthday parties, a lot of things that I didn't have prior. Right. right. So I think I was like this perfect combination to understand how it is to be dead broke and not under- know what what's going to happen food-wise to having a lot of money with my father and, you know, selling drugs and being there for you and having a support system. So that was kind of like the dynamic. But on the same note, my father and my mother was still together Mm. under the table. You know, it's kind of like one of them things I know. You know what's a funny thing, you know, and and this is a little bit off subject. When you see your father cheating on his, on your stepmother, right? Right. And you know about it Do you tell? Fuck I don't know I always no. see those things Happen in like, shows No you, you don't You don't mention it Then when I, see, when I see my dad Cheating on My stepmother And my mother With another woman It's still like a guy code uh, But you know what that does Traumatically to me When I'm getting older And I'm looking at women Yeah right You know what I mean I'm seeing two women Watch one man do them a certain way neither one of them complain damn you know what i mean so just going back on the childhood but my mother she did the best she could with what she had because i understood the dynamic of her thought process right you know she's seen her her one of her sisters be raped and whatnot so when you see those type of things those traumatic things it, it can build or destroy you and I'm not saying it's destroying it destroyed her, but I can say it took a chunk out of her. Of Because you can't see nothing like that and just everything is peaches and cream. Mm. And then she ended up having seven boys. You know what I mean? So that detachment from men bled on us, you know, at that young age. So with certain things you yearn for as a young man with your mother and you never receive it, you you start trying to seek it in other women. 
And then when you don't get it, you kind of turn cold, mm. you know. So that was a part of my childhood. And then what I started doing was taking care of my younger brother. That's what changed everything. Because I had like the worst attitude on planet Earth. I mean, the worst. So and I understood where it came from. It came from like, um, you know, Mother's Day, hypothetically. And then you, I got to make mine out to my aunt or something like right, that right, because right. I'm not going to see my mother. And you just got all this rage. So I'm looking at. Uh, movies every time it's Christmas the spirit that doesn't feel good I don't like seeing that family all together and whatnot it doesn't feel good so my mother and my father was still messing around and they end up having my younger brother Cadez but my father didn't claim him because it would have showed that he cheated on his wife right right so what happened is I started taking care of Cadez at this young age at 13 is when it started and I'm like it kind of you kind of get robbed of your childhood when you're 13 taking care of a kid. Yeah, you became a dad at 13. Exactly. So at that point, it, that was like the defining moment. Reading to him and teaching him things at 13, and I remember even having horrible grades. And I went to one of his parent-teacher conferences at like 15. I'm getting out of school, going to a parent-teacher conference. At, you know what type of maturity that forces you to have? I'm sitting there talking to the teachers. But at the same time, before that, my grades was terrible. So how can I go in there and they telling me how disruptive my brother is and my grades is yeah, bad? Right. So it forced me to be like, okay, you have to, get, you have to be representation of what you're talking about. At all times You can't slip You can't Obviously we all make mistakes But you can't represent something That's not true to yourself Under no circumstances I know what it's like on the bottom I know what it's like coming from there So going back to what you were saying About the depression And how do people move forward I just know what's there already I've been depressed I've been suicidal I've been I've been one, I've been thought I thought about several times what the world would be like without me. Right. I've already been there. I just feel like if I fall back, I don't know what's behind me. If I move forward, I fall forward. At least I can catch myself on my hands. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's just really my logical way of thinking about stuff. Instead of dealing with the instead of getting <clears throat> depressed, because usually depressed is thinking about things in the past. Anxiety is typically the future, right? So that's really the breakdown of the two. Instead of focusing on that stuff, I try and figure out what affected me then that's causing me to feel this way and how can I use that as fuel to make sure nobody else feels that way right so that's the way I kind of put it all together and that's like my childhood in a nutshell and you feel like that was your goal with your with your brother like did you feel like uh, the ability to save him that's why you took that role on in the sense of like if I can teach him how to grow up diff I don't want him to be like what I what I'm in the situation that I'm in what our parents are being like etc like I want to teach him to grow up to be a man that I would want to be well it wasn't it wasn't even that that sounds great I wish I, I can go tell people that I don't but know no no it sounds I mean great. it's how you just took you took the reins so like you took the reins was that survival of the fittest type shit like you just got handed that and there was no one else to take care of him or you just adapted to becoming like father role I adapted because my oldest brother was in prison okay. he was incarcerated my second oldest brother was in the military and honestly although those sound like two totally different things they don't feel different they both gone right you know and then it was me. So to take care of the brother behind me, uh, one thing, it happened when I went to my grandma's house one time. And I'm, and I'm looking in this closet, and I literally see, like, one pair of pants, got a hole in the knee, uh, a couple pair of shoes, and they beat up, you know, a couple T-shirts, things like that. And I remember almost crying about it. I was just like, how do I have Jordans? All this stuff that my dad got me and his other son is seven minutes away with nothing. 
Right. You know, and my grandma tried her best. I'm not trying to, I will say this. I love my family and I'm just using this as an example. I want to get this little disclaimer. So I don't want nobody to think I'm dogging my family by telling the truth because I, I, I say it all. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, I seen this and I was just like, it hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, how do I got all this and he don't have nothing? And I remember looking at him and he couldn't, you know, he couldn't distinguish the difference, but he getting cracked on in school. Right. You know, so I end up taking all my stuff at that time and selling it. Everything, my Jordans, my clothes, everything. I sold it all. Then I got him and we literally got on a Sarda bus, which I think it was the Marta out here or whatever it is here. Yeah. But it got on the bus and we end up going to Marshall's Ross and stuff like that. And I, after I sold all my I got him one of everything I got myself, some duck boots, some $20 rain boots. Uh, one pair of pants, a pair of pants for him, black, blue, and then like right. then like long sleeves that was blank, so we can wear these things every day, yeah. and nobody will roast us. But after I did that for him, he no longer got roasted from what he says. But that changed my way of thinking, yeah, because it started being what means something for real versus what means something based on what people say it should be. You know what I mean? Like you know when you get like a, a Rolex, yeah. It means something to you because the rapper said it means something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The, the the Tesla at this point, it means something because society is saying it means something until you have it for a period of time. Right. Then the Rolex and the Tesla doesn't mean anything, but until you have it, you desire it so much. So what I'm saying is on the flip side, when I'm taking care of my younger brother, I knew what it felt like to have things that I know he did not know. Mm. Although he's in the midst of struggling and he don't realize how bad the struggle is, I do when I show up to my grandma's. So I was like, there is no way I can be over here and he's not. I'd rather both of us, you know what I mean? It's kind of like getting invited to a big party that won't invite your friend in. Right. You're like, forget it. Both of us ain't going either. Yeah. That's the way I feel. You know, I'm, I'm going to stick beside my family as best as possible and my friends and make sure we can all be equal in this this understanding life overcoming depression money whatever it may be so that's more the mission at that young age than anything how do i unify my family and bring us all up right. so that was kind of how i was thinking it's crazy that you you had that mindset that early and to be able to understand all this shit like to be going into a parent teacher conference at 15 fuck i don't know what i was doing at 15 i couldn't even i probably didn't understand what the point of that was (laughs) you know what i mean like that's so crazy but it's like progressing into your later years having found that niche like how does that progress as you get into high school for you like you know i mean your family's kind of all spread out your your parents were your parents always in that that path like with the the drug dealing yeah 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 i mean my I could never actually talk about it until my dad passed away because, you know, he was still drug dealing. And we had a conversation about that side note. We had a conversation about that because I was doing music. Yeah. And uh, he mentioned, he was like, you never mentioned me in the music. I'm like, what am I going to mention? You selling dope? Like, that's not nothing I want to glorify. You know what I mean? But in high school, I started, I still had a bad attitude, ninth and 10th grade, because I used to want to know why are my family not at my basketball games or why Why am I not getting support? What am I doing wrong? I, I, I looked at it from an internal standpoint of what am I doing? Right. Why Why wouldn't you show up and, and it's only right around the corner? Hmm. Why, if I'm doing everything right or perception, perceptionally right or in my heart right, why can't I get rewarded? I just don't get it. You know, and, and all those whys, I had to answer myself. 
And once I start answering, I started understanding, look, well, you got to look at where these people are. Mm. It's like internal reflecting. What did they grow up with? What happened with my grandma? What, how did my grandma teach them? So he'd be like, maybe they don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't know that they're mistreating you. It's just like somebody with a bad attitude and not and not conscious of it. They don't know until they calm down that they went off. So it's a similar thing. And I'm starting to under, I understood that at that young age and refined it more as I got older. I'm like, wait a minute. This is crazy. If I if I had this bad attitude, who does it affect? You know? When you really start thinking about it, I was like, this is unfair. So you mean to tell me I'm going to be mad? I'm gonna go off on you. You can walk away with your day being okay, but yet I remain mad. I don't think this is a fair exchange. <coughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. let me get rid of this attitude because mm. you know you start processing death, you start processing killing somebody, you start processing everything when your attitude is like that, and you grew up in that environment. You know, and then to see my brothers and whatnot be in prison, and my uncles and uncle who got his jaw broke by the police officers, and all these different types of stuff I seen. I mean, when I was six, I had a gun pointed at me. You know, that was some That's of the six? early six playing Tecmo Bowl with my brother. They kicked in the door, they held guns to us, and whatnot. So I seen all that, and I know it's there, and I know that story. I know how that book ends, and I don't want to, you know, yeah, be in that book. You know, what what was it that made you feel like? Um you like your dad dealing drugs like your dad's dealing drugs and providing for you yeah. which is a rarity like uh, that just people think about others outside of that what made you feel like that was wrong i felt like it was wrong because i understand <coughs> in this world we either build or we destroy okay one or the other you know even being stagnant is a form of destruction right mm. so i understood what happens like i really understand crack cocaine all that i see what it does I see the destruction that comes behind it mm. and what people are willing to do getting high off of it, right? So if I knew my dad was doing that two families, it affected me. I'm looking at my mom got on drugs and when she got on drugs, she lost all of us. Yeah. All her kids, right? So who would give that to somebody? Mm. This is like death that right. you're giving somebody. I always thought about it like this. It's like if you got paid... What's those people called? Like the executioners, right? That, yeah. That, that, let's just say somebody got sentenced to death and right, then they right, got to right. pull the switch. Right. I used to think about it like that. How could you pay that? How could you pull the switch? Hell no. Like, it should not almost be a, enough money in the world to do it. Right. So, similarly to the same thing with, with drug dealing. And I got friends that drug deal to this day that I talk to about trying to get them to change up their ways. But on the same note, it's hard to tell somebody to stop doing something if you can't provide a job. Right. Yeah. So if I can't give you a job, I can't tell you to stop doing something. But what I'm saying is I think it's kind of like the executioner because you're providing a way for somebody to destroy themselves. Mm. You know, so we know it's destruction going on in this world. Everybody plays a part to it to some degree. We pay taxes. What are they doing with the tax money? They bombing, bombing other countries. Right. So we all play a part. But what I'm saying is, I don't want to consciously play a part. You know, I don't want to deliberately play a part. Like me, go get this crack and I'm distributing in the streets. So I knew my dad was doing that. So I, it always it always irked me a little bit, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. But I had the conversations with him about it. Like, you know, and then they feel like I don't have no other option. 
you know, he's tried to start businesses. He tried to start a club. He tried to start, you know, do a lot of things that to get himself out of there. But the same thing happened with drug dealing, like <coughs> stripping, like everything else. You get accustomed to that lifestyle. You get accustomed to that income. Yeah, of and course. then you stick to it, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. So as you, you progress, um, how, what, how did you decide, like, where you wanted to take yourself as building a career? You know what I mean? As all these, it's so crazy. And I love talking to fucking people that public speak, man. Because I just did my first public speaking event not too long ago. Shit was tight. I wasn't terrified. Mm-hmm. But what I love about people, I've interviewed um, my homie Travis Lloyd. He grew up in foster care and speaks to a lot of foster care kids and grew up in that shit. Um, Johnny Bosher, he's a, he has a, a nonprofit in Chicago for su- suicide prevention. Um hope for a day have you ever heard of that mm. he was on here early and i just think it, this is such good shit to be able to put in here because it's things people don't talk about don't put on a public platform because they're afraid that it's gonna like be too sensitive for people and all this stuff yeah um, and, it, and it doesn't typically generate good numbers right you know because it's something deep nobody want to talk about like let me tell you when i speak i'm speaking about depression suicide etc and i got this point where people can ask questions and i might get I still get a ton of questions, 10, 15 questions afterwards or even more. It's times I've answered questions for 30 minutes. But I the follow-up and the emails. Oh, yeah, and, that's where they get real, huh? Yeah, because it's like I got molested by my father. Yeah. What? You get what I'm saying? Or the abuse and the mentality of, of what has happened to them and how they're trying to bounce back from it. They're like, thank God somebody is willing to open up about what they went through that I can relate to because mm-hmm. I thought I was the only one right. because I'm, as I said, I'm showing this facade of who I am at the same time, everybody else showing their facade too. Right. So we're all walking around with this mask on and nobody's being, I don't want to say nobody's being real. That's the whole, wrong word to use, but we're not showing our true selves and, and that's hard to connect. Let me say it like this. When we do stuff like this, this podcast or like our public speak or whatnot, and we see a lot of public speakers. Typically, we react to rewards, right? So if you get an A plus on your paper, you might get some gum and you get a sticker. Right. Therefore, let me go ahead and get this. If you do well on your job, you get a raise. Therefore, I'm going to do this. If I post this type of content, I'm going to get this many more followers. Therefore, I'm going to do it. So if everything around here tells you to do this for a reward, right? Post Instagram pictures half naked. I'm going to get a reward. I'm right. going to get followers. I'm going to get likes. Uh, talk about this content. It's 10 ways to pick up a woman. I'm going to get followers. I'm going to get likes. Right. And then I say, let's talk about depression. One like, no follows. <laughs> right. Who in the world want to continue that? Mm-hmm. It's not gratifying. It's the ways that really help people, but it's not gratifying. So in a reward-based system, nobody's going to do that unless you really care. Flat out, because you're not gonna get nothing in return in the big in the big scheme of things, right? Yeah. Because nobody, it's not like somebody busting down my door to support uh, suicide prevention. You know, now it's becoming more of a thing. Now it's becoming more of a. We need to talk more about mental health, but it's still one of those things that's kind of swept under the you know swept under the rug. Yeah. The way funds is being disseminated and all, man, it gets so deep, man. I can I can talk about it all. Like, well, and the, the the tough part about it is like someone's problem could it could be such a simple fix, but it gets so deep for them and they hold it in by themselves, and it's impossible for them to find the solution in that point. And that's when most suicides happen. 
mm-hmm. because they're sitting here like, oh my God, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. No one will understand. No one will give me blah, blah, blah. And then it's done. It's done. And then mm-hmm. when you realize what it was after, after the fact, you know, you always, it's through conversation. It's like, oh, we could have fixed this. Like my cousin died of suicide when I was really young and it was the hardest thing to process because it was like well what the fuck was wrong like why didn't yeah. we fix this yeah how come we couldn't have fixed this you know what i mean and mm-hmm. and i think that's the part that's that everyone needs to be able to find people that they can open up to or find resources that they can touch base on because it's like you know that the phone number exists we heard it with logic you know what i mean mm-hmm. like the number exists but a lot of people are afraid to do it because they're embarrassed you know what i mean they're afraid to open up because they believe no one understands or has been at their level of disappointment in their life or or feeling like they're in a corner right it's true it's true plus even the phone number that's it's a solid outlet it's a solid outlet but the way you reach people through history is relatability like think about your favorite artists mm. it's because you relate to them mm. you know a style of of doing videography because you can relate to the shot or relate to the movie or whatever the case is. I might be over my head talking about that. But, yeah, yeah, you know, music. I know you like the artist you re- relate to or feel. Right. right? So even with a, with a number is some form of detachment. It's like, you know, should I call this number because I'm feeling like it? You know? Mm-hmm. But when you talk about from a relatability standpoint, like me going in there or you opening up or this person, anybody being a true form of themselves, you start to, to get deep. You start to resonate with a certain energy it's like a how can i say it it's like when somebody look at your video it inspired them to do videos right right it's like you being the truest form of yourself is the way that you help it's just we get away from it i know it sounds kind of deep and cliche or whatever the case is i know it's challenging for me to really put it in the most words possible or the best words possible but it's being true to yourself in the purest form what is that it's about finding your path how do you do that you know obviously i got this book for it but how do you find your path you start looking at what means something to you and i give this example how do you get from ohio to los angeles if i never gave you a map right what you'll do is walk west Mm. that's it all i know is i can walk west the more you walk west the closer you're going to get to california you might end up in seattle but you're still closer than you was in ohio that's the same analogy for mental health and all these things do you know a solution no we all don't know the underlying solution is it supposed to be this medicine possibly is it supposed to be working out possibly is it supposed to be vitamin b possibly it's so many variables that can go into what's going on with you that the only thing you can do is walk west Mm -hmm. get closer to your solution even when it's uh something that you want to do whether somebody want to do videography or editing or whatever the case is you don't know if you want to do it until you try it and right. realize if it's for you or not. Right. So they always ask, how do you move forward? You just keep jumping into stuff, and over time, you refine it. So you asked earlier if um, if I like this is a lifetime mission type thing. And music was initially the mission. I was trying to do music, yeah, but I was using it as a platform to help people. You know, it's still the same desires, but not the same, you know, way of going about what it. What kind of music were you doing? I was doing hip-hop. Like, it's similar to... I was like... The street version of J. Cole. Okay. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like J. Cole. See, this is going to sound like I'm gassing myself, but it sounds like a mixture of like the J. Cole from like a Tupac perspective. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I wasn't cursing or nothing like that, but it was hard because right. I'm talking about, you know, guns being held to my head and brother doing time in prison and whatnot. So, 
but from like you know how J Cole more storytell more yeah, feel. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, you know. So that was how. I was and when did you start music. doing that? I started doing music when I was like maybe fourteen. I was just trying to be like my older brother. Mm. Uh, his name's his rap name. He still rap. We did a song not too long ago. Really? Yeah, yeah. So his name was his rap name is scientific. His name is Michael, and I just wanted to be like him. I was you know wanted to trying to follow up in his footsteps. So I wanted to do music to just feel like I can have a part of my older brother. Right. You know what I mean? So 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 you start rapping. You're 14. You're growing up. And how long did you do music for? Uh, I stopped maybe about uh, about six, seven years ago, roughly. Right. So you were doing it for a while. Yeah. Um, would Would you find that it was helpful for others listening to it? Did you Did it hit the same effect? Like you pre- creating music like that? Because it's interesting when you were talking about uh, we look at people like artists and they create a feeling for us or something, someone that we look up to or a brand or something that makes you feel cool. So if Logic says, yo, like you, that's not the answer, then some people may hear it because they like Logic. Yeah, no, it's dope. Um, did you feel like it was the same effect to you doing that versus yeah, like public speaking yeah. or something? Well, music is a different way. It's a different thing because um, they can put my song on repeat 50 times in a row mm-hmm. if it feels if it feels right. Public speaking is a little different because um, I'm going to speak at your school and I'll leave you with a workbook and whatnot. And you can reach out and we can have more one-on-one interaction. Right. So one is more of a feeling like you know how i don't know if you've been going through something you put a song on 24 7 6 7 8 times in a row you know um kind of like that versus me shaking your hand and talking to you Hmm. because um on a music platform typically you start scaling a lot bigger than you do for a public speaker unless you tony robbins or something but um as a music you start scaling because even when i started next thing you know it's like eight people in the audience you know, then it's 10 people. Next thing you know, it's 80. Yeah. Next thing you know, it's 200. Mm-hmm. And you don't get the time to have a lot of one-on-one time per se with these people. They just want to download your music. From a public speaking standpoint, you get a lot more questions and it's a lot more engagement. And a lot of my YouTube is responding to questions. So it's a little bit different on the engagement side because when I'm speaking, I'm representing a problem specifically more or less than a feeling right you know if i if i said that right no yeah that makes sense uh would you so you were doing shows yeah how, what was it was it fun like what how did no, you I how did it, it. like i know it's it we i mean coming up i did music too and shit so it's like there's nothing more gratifying than being able to do that but your mission set out in music was to help tell stories that could help people is it the same way as yeah. your mission right now yes so you're going out and doing those shows did you feel like it was clicking like that or was it more so like after the fact or they got to download the music and they sat and resonated with it were you getting those people replying to you with emails and things like that not as not as much as i do now but uh when i was doing the music i started throwing my own shows because it was you know it's always tough to get on you know get on yeah. these different shows and usually they're not staying there for the, you know, the opening acts right. they're trying to rush you off i remember opening up some funny story i remember opening up a dip set Really? Dipset, yeah. This uh, this was like old in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. This is when it was fun. But let me tell you, this was like old mm, five ish, you know. And I remember we was at this club and it was jam packed, and I didn't know we set ourselves up for failure, you know, because Dipset, you know how all, you know how acts get there crazy late, uh-huh. you know. So, anyways, we had the show, and Dipset is supposed to go on at one a.m. It's 1230 
And um, the promoter is talking to me, at, like our group. And they're like, well, Dipset ain't here yet, so we don't want you to go on. We want you to go on closer to Dipset. So now 1 o'clock come, no Dipset. So one thirty come, and they're like, all right, you get ready to perform. You know, we got Dipset coming. We getting ready, no Dipset, right? You so now it. it's it 2 o'clock. No, no, it's 2 a.m. now. What time do the bars close? Man, this, this is Cleveland at oh. this time. It's maybe 3. I don't know. Okay, this, if they apply, If they followed the rules right, in the right, first right, place. Right. Yeah, true. But anyways, it's like 3 a.m. No, it's like 2 a.m. now. And they're like, um, we don't, Dipset ain't coming, right? So these cats, they're going to get on the mic and say, well, you know, we waiting on Dipset. I don't know if they're going to be able to make it, but just give us 15 minutes, right? I'm like, why would you tell the crowd that? But in the meantime... We got to act for y'all. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got to act for y'all. So now I got to go on at 2, 2.30 in the morning. Let's exaggerate the story for, for so it can sound good. I had to go on at 3.30 yeah, in the morning. Right. And I'm talking about soon I got the microphone. I'm like, how are everybody doing? I mean, the club is packed. I mean, it's packed to capacity, right? At least I thought it was capacity. Um, our music drop, boom, clap, boom, boom. I mean, the whole dance floor parted. It was like the Red Sea. I know what Moses Damn. felt like. <laughs> I know what Moses felt like when he dropped that staff. So it was like, boom. I'm talking about it parted. I was like, I thought this club was packed to capacity. I didn't know there was space that y'all can even get out the way. Yeah, the I mean, they cleared every, like, it was like the dance floor it, it, it was like it was lava You know how kids yeah, play yeah, It was yeah. like it was lava If you stood on it You was gonna die or something Everybody The dance floor was spotless And our, I did our whole set The people around me They was like You know let's just stop I'm like no I paid to open up yeah. Y'all gonna hear my whole act right. I don't care And then um, once I did that That was one of the things that, I know this is a side story It's just funny but It's funny as it's, hell It's one of those things That I was like okay I'm confident in who I am I'm going to put myself out there in the purest form of myself because I understand when you be yourself in the truest form, you offer something to the world that nobody else can. Right. Point blank, period. Thanks. So the fact that I'm on stage and I'm going my hardest, whoever like it, like it. If you don't, you don't. And that's the same way I apply my music and the same way I apply my speaking, et cetera. So, but um, to go to, the, to what you asked, yeah, some people resonated with it, but more women resonated with my music than anything. Mm. Because with men, you know, it was different because I'm talking about mom on crack or whatever. Right. And um, my delivery style was a little off. So, um, and I got it from my dad, you know, because everybody, you know, you can rap like Nahaj, Jay-Z, yeah. and you were trying to find yourself. But my dad, when he did own this nightclub, he said this. He said, um, who gets the most attention in the club? Who gets the most? I'm just asking you that. Who? who this is a broad question, but I'm going to get to the answer. Who get? Who gets the most attention in the club? You're asking me? Yeah. Uh, probably the DJ? Or yeah, are you talking, yeah. about, are you talking about customers? Like people yeah, that yeah, are sitting yeah, there? Yeah. Whoever's ordering the most bottles? Yeah, you would think that. You know who who's the most memorable person? The the baddest bitch. In the- <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I thought. And then he made a point to me from owning. He said the most memorable, because I was like, he asked me, I was like, you're probably the best looking girl. He was like, no. I was like, probably, you know, maybe, you know, the bar, you know. Uh, the person that work in a bar He's like no I'm asking him all these questions You know the security guard or whatever yeah. Best dancer He was like no He said that person That dances off beat But enjoy themselves hmm. The person that's moving to a different rhythm yeah. But don't care Right. And I was like 
That's crazy because that is true. Yeah. You know how many times we've been to the club or a concert and you see somebody that is just going off horribly dancing yeah. and we all point, laugh, or talk about, look at this guy. We yeah. all point, but they don't change. And before we know it, we were like, let them do them. Right. But we remember that person. So I approached that style with my music when I was rapping and whatnot. That's tight. You know, so, but. That is true. And then you end up seeing, then you go to like a pizza joint after the show and then you see that same person You see person that there, same person. And but for it was some like 20 reason miles they away. Yeah. 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 Some reason the they people. stick out of all the people. That is funny. One person sticks and it's usually that awkward person that's true within themselves. That's why I always like, like when you go to hip hop shows and there's the dude from the EDM show that has like the gloves with the little light bulbs on the fingertips and they're and you're mm-hmm. just like, what the fuck? Exactly. What are you doing? Yeah, but it they're loving like it. They're, they're loving, loving it. it. And they love like, right, it. Whatever. They don't care. It's like I don't. Listen, I'm enjoy myself. Right. Point blank. Period. Damn. So yeah, it's funny. That's funny. But yeah, that was kind of my approach to music. So either you got me or you didn't. And um, the topic, subject matter was deep. It's kind of like you know how I love E40. Okay. You yeah. Know, right. And, um, but his style. Either you really. Yeah. If you rock with him, you rock with him. If you don't, you don't. Right. You know. So I wasn't like that, but it was kind of like a lazy flow. Yeah. You know, like a game. Pimp C ish, right? Combined. So, were you focusing on like in school? Were you really trying to get your studies together while doing this and music and trying to raise your brother and doing? All, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things you're doing at the same time. Like, how did you feel like academically you were doing in well, school with like in high ro- school? I had a 4.0, really, junior and senior year. Goddamn, 4.0. But I realized school was easy. Like, I realized school is very simplistic. You have to look at it a certain way. Usually. School just wants you to operate within certain margins. I started understanding that. So when you take a test, typically once you read the first paragraph, you don't really got to read the rest of the book. You can skim it and do the high, get the highlighter. And majority of the time, it's a lot of definitions. So what I started doing was paying attention to the patterns of teachers. Like, what type of teacher are you? Are you a vocabulary teacher that we really got to go through all the vocabulary? Are you a memorization teacher? Are you one of those teachers that really teach and I got to you don't really follow the book and I got to pay attention to what you're saying? So I really start understanding the style of teaching and then responding to the style. So I know I I don't know. I guess it was kind of an act of brilliance. Now that I'm thinking about it now that you brought it to me. But I really just understand, okay, this teacher is a more of a vocabulary-based teacher. I'm going to get my flashcards, and I ain't about to pay attention to nothing they're saying. Let me just study my flashcards while I'm in here. Right. That's it. Yeah. I'm not about to sit here. and They're not talking about nothing. The test is going to be vocabulary. Right. You know what I mean? And then it might be somebody else that's all book. Read the chapters. I'm like, I'm just going to read them in class because I, there's no need to listen to what you're talking about. Right. I'm just sit in the back because this is what the test is going to be on. I kind of like short-circuited yeah. school. And the same thing happened with college. I was just looking at the style. And there's a style. Now I'm giving away this game. There's a style That's to smart. every type of teaching. Hmm. And if you understand the, like their style, then you can defeat it. Hmm. You know, It's kind of like a fighter. Right. And then the only thing that was difficult was just horrible teachers. Teachers that didn't teach out the book but didn't do a good job teaching either. Right. You know, like, um, I could say some teachers, but yeah, I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah, I feel it. <laughs> Where'd you go to school? College? Uh, I went to three colleges. I went to Cleveland State, Youngstown State, and University of Toledo. I started at University of Toledo, then I went to Youngstown State, then I went to Cleveland State. And I went to Cleveland because that's when I was, like, deep into music, and I was like, this is the, the heart of Ohio, Yeah, going to Cleveland. And that's why I say I tip my hat off to MGK. I say that to him. That man worked hard. Mm-hmm. He worked hard, you know, um, seriously. I've seen it. 
I seen his whole development. I seen the beginning to where he is now, and, and I think it's a blessing. But he worked hard because if you can make it in Cleveland, Cleveland don't Cleveland boo Biggie. Right, that's crazy. You get what I'm saying? Like if you can make it in Cleveland, you can you can do well anywhere. That's why he's one of the best performers. Yeah, don't nobody want to go on after him. Right. You know, I had to go. I had to figure out ways to go on behind him. Like we was on tour together. So I was like, you know, whew, I got to follow this. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm going complete opposite. I, was, I had to do my sets that was more mellow. I'm like, I'm not going on after him with energy. Right. I'm not going to win that battle. No. no. He will he will, bite the head off a of bat. You know what I'm right. saying? I'm not going that far. We just had um, Chip the Ripper on here the other day. Yeah, I love Chip. Yeah, Chip is good people with me too. Yeah. yeah. Chip's good, dude. Chip good. That, um... I feel like that's yeah you're right Cleveland's a different beast and you and you get that from Kel's stories like when yeah. he talks about coming from Cleveland and stuff but when you went when you were going to college you started with music then what did you end up graduating with I graduated with my marketing degree okay word so how did you swing into marketing well I swinged into marketing because I thought that was the psychology of selling that's mm. really what I looked at it I'm like if I gotta get my degree I only did my degree if I could rewind the hands of time I probably wouldn't have went to college uh, but just saying it flat out yeah um but i went to college because nobody in my family had went to college at that point yeah so i wanted to complete it to to represent you know some silly some silly way of thinking that when i sit back and reflect on it because now i got all this debt (laughs) (laughs) and i never had a job you get what i'm saying so never had a job and i got all this debt so i mean i wouldn't have went about it that way but i got into marketing because i thought it was the psychology of business so no matter what i wanted to do if i learn the dynamics of selling i'm gonna be okay right you know yeah and i didn't learn much neither Mm. unfortunately i learned it in the real life like you know throwing the tours and class can tell you put together this one sheeter i'm like there's no way to prepare for this act that keep asking you every five minutes when he going on stage and then he got gangbangers with him and all that other type of stuff right you can't you know that that's not being taught in my classroom sorry yeah you know what i mean so what what happens with the music like when did when did you transition more career-wise how did that transition happen i transitioned because I, i decided that we was gonna play a role as a team like it's a one of my best friends is an artist his name Chad to change okay and he does music that I love so I felt like look if I do the speaking and you do the music we can cover both grounds hmm. anytime I get somewhere I always pub his music so it's times that I've been in uh, good huge studios with artists and producers and I just plug his music right so I was like I think this would be best and anytime he plugged me for speaking hmm. so I felt like let's figure out a way to be a team you know i can rap you can rap you do great music i love then why don't i just push you as the artist and push me as the speaker right so we can cover more ground and then we end up we're doing a project together while i'm speaking he's doing the music and we're putting it together so people can listen to when they wake up or go to sleep mm-hmm. you know so that's a project we're working on to help people deal with mental health and etc that's dope you know so what up creators i want to remind you about our community at jointhehomies.com the homies are the squad of legends who support what we do here at black window cream so we can continue to build this platform into the best educational space for content creators on earth And in return for that support, we give you a bunch of sick perks all month long, like access to our live stream tutorials and hangouts, bonus podcast episodes, and so much more. Check us out at jointhehomies.com. Let's go. So so you start public speaking. Like when was your first speaking gig? Officially? Yeah. Um, First one where you're like, oh shit. Ew, I was young, young, but 
I say that when I start going very hard on public speaking was when I got here. Really? Yeah. Before that, I was doing spot dates and still doing speaking, etc. But when I went really hard is when I got here. But I decided this is when I gave up music. I realized, going back to what I was saying, the building and destroying, right? When I was 18, as I said, I won a humanitarian award or whatnot, somewhere around that time. As I said, me and time ain't the best of friends. I don't be remembering. Right. But uh, I won a humanitarian award. And as I said earlier, my mom, my dad was distributing dope. At the same time, I'm getting an award mm-hmm. for the city through the state, you know. So That's crazy. It was like that pendulum of building and destroying always plagued me. And by the time I got to Atlanta... I was still doing music, but I really reflected on throwing all these shows. And although my music was uplifting, I had to give a platform for people to have destructive messages. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do that. Now, I'm not knocking nobody in their music. I want to be real clear, whatever you like, because I like, you know, Pac, I like everybody, X, I like all these people, 50. And I just didn't want to give the stage for it. I was like, I don't want to get a stage to say that we're going to go kill our brother. Right. I don't want to give a stage. Then I even start thinking deeper. I'm like, how is it that we can make a song about killing our brother and it air? Mm-hmm. You, when you, have you ever, I don't know if you ever really gave it thought. If I made a song about killing dogs and released it in Los Angeles, People will it get be, any burn? Oh, yeah. None. That shit would be crazy. But I can make a song about killing my brother. As long as he's my skin complexion and everybody going to play it. Right. They going to play it on the radio. They going to advertise me. A big business is going to get behind it. Mm. But if I talk about if I talk about killing a dog, you can forget about right. it. Right. You know, so obviously I don't condone any killing, but it's just something to think about. Why would somebody get behind and finance me talking about killing my brother? But anything else. It would not let ride. Right. You know, so it's just something to think about. But I didn't want to condone that, so I got away from it. And that was really why I fully stepped away from music alongside of my brother doing it and, and you know, having a good base. Right. So then you moved out to L.A. in what year? Mm-hmm. L.A. about six years ago. Six years ago? Yeah, and I was homeless. Really? When you yeah, got out here? Yeah, I was. I literally left Atlanta. I gave up everything I ever had. Not every. But I ever, but everything that I had to a point that I literally left with a full trunk. I call my journey a full trunk in faith. A full trunk in faith. That was my journey. I left with eighty eight dollars. Damn, eighty eight dollars. I didn't know how I was going to get to Los Angeles. Yeah, how the fuck did you get there? Yeah, ain't it crazy? I left with. I tell this story when I'm on stage, but I left with eighty eight dollars, and uh, my first, the first place that I went was uh, Dallas. Dallas, Texas is on my way getting there. I told you about taking care of my younger brother. My younger brother called me and he's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm on my way to LA. He like, what do you need? I'm making the long story short. He like, what do you need? I'm like some money. He ended up giving me $120. I'm like, I can't give it back to you. He knew that it wasn't going back. I went from there to um, El Paso because that gave me enough money to make it. I didn't even have no spare tire or nothing because I took it out. Right. So I ended up getting to El Paso and I stayed Stayed there for a day and a um, couple days. And upon leaving, my friend there gave me $800 because he was inspired by my journey. So now I end up doing that. Then I end up going from there to Phoenix. And as I got to Phoenix, I stayed there for a few days. Um, I was getting ready to leave. My aunt asked me to stay an extra day. I stayed an extra day. I woke up with a flat tire. And I was like, oh, my God. I was thankful. I was going to leave. 
But I would have been in the middle of the desert with a flat tire. Yeah, that's terrible. And no spare. I took it out to put clothes and stuff like that, right? And it's not like somebody is going to be in a rush to pull you, pull over and help you. Right. Not, not there. Right. You know, so I was like, thank God. You know, so I ended up driving to the closest Just Tires. And literally the dude was from my area and gave me a tire for free from wow. Ohio. In Phoenix. Moved from Akron to Phoenix. And I met him, and he ended up giving me a free tire. That's crazy. From there, I ended up coming to Los Angeles. I ended up meeting a friend that I was on an all-star team with. He let me stay in his house, and I used the rest of my money to give it to him for rent. And from there, I hit the ground running. You know, then I ended up being homeless again. Oh, I got to tell this story. I ended up being homeless again, uh, going back into the streets. and just. But I figured out where I can sleep now. I can sleep at Children's Hospital because it was warm. You know, they got heated parking there, you know. Oh. I didn't know that till yeah. I pulled up. But um, going back between Venice and, you know, Children's Hospital. But anyway, I ended up getting this job at L.A. Fitness being a sports director. And that was just my way. It was real part time. It was like eight hours a week, you know. But I got a free membership and I got a chance to go to any L.A. Fitness that I wanted. So you so, shower on the go? You shower. And, and I got a chance to meet so many people. From Playa, I, I went to every every L.A. Fitness from from Playa Vista to Pasadena. Think about that. Playa Vista, Marina Del Rey right. to Pasadena. I've been to all those LA fitnesses. You know, so I hit them all. I mean, I was on I didn't have nowhere else right. to go. So I would just stop at them, stay there, shower, try and see if I can set up a league, a basketball league, or whatever the case was, right? So doing all that, I ended up meeting this guy that worked for this liquor company. I usually say the name, but I'm not gonna say you know the liquor company. All right. But I um yeah no free endorsements yeah not well it, I don't know if it'd be it'd probably be more anyways <laughs> I um met this met this guy and he really liked my personality he was like you know you're pretty funny and all this other stuff he was like I'd love for you to work for our liquor company at sixty five dollars an hour sixty five dollars an hour and I'm homeless out of nowhere yeah overtime you know right. built you know we built this relationship right but 65 dollars an hour and i'm homeless man he didn't know i was homeless nobody right. knew right um and i was like what i gotta do he's like you gotta distribute this new rollout of liquor in the black and brown community i'm like can't do it right but i was mad at myself because i thought about it i thought about doing it i'm not gonna lie to at you at the lowest point at the lowest point but that's when i really had my integrity tested yeah my morality tested and that's what they're talking about to build and destroy at that defining moment as we talked about earlier you know defining that defining moment is when i knew i'm on the right path mm. you know so no matter what i'm gonna do i'm gonna try my best to ensure that people can feel comfortable being themselves I'm going to try to help people fight them battles that they don't talk about, all those internal struggles we all going through. I'm going to put myself out there in the purest form. I don't care how embarrassing it is, whether I need to talk about my failures, whether I need to talk about how I did abuse women in my past, whether I need to talk about becoming better as a man. Whatever I need to lay out there, you can use me as a vessel to overcome some of the things that you're going through. It's like me doing this workbook, you know? Right. It's like life and careers. Can I keep this? Yeah, yeah. You can keep that, you know, but um, yeah, life and careers, because I realized I spoke at like 50 some schools in one year. Right. Right. So I realized that kids is going through those issues. But a lot of speakers, they get in schools and they hype them up and they leave. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, you know what? You can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. 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 Bye bye. Bye. Yeah. All right. You know, are y'all paying me? Yeah, exactly. All right. Then I get with y'all. 
kids it's like yeah 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 then day three they come back down kind of like you know the gym is not as packed right now as it was january 1st right but they start coming down so i was like yo not only do we help people mentally but let's give them somewhere that we can direct right this understanding obviously create in a wise way plug a wise way yeah, yeah, yeah. interview professionals yeah <laughs> and use the press you know use this uh testimonies to inspire children what's the youtube channel act think live wise yes, youtube.com slash act think live wise yeah go check so, that out yeah so um inter- and we interview professionals and use those testimonies to inspire children mm-hmm. but i figured how do i make that connect so i help them understand themselves with this and then connect it to a career we interview you yeah so if a kid want to get in a film i think they should learn from you Mm. Not a guidance counselor that got 700 students, right? right? So, and that's just part of it. But this yeah. also help everybody. It's right. not just students, but everybody been ordering this. Right. So, as it, what were some of the roadblocks as you get into? It? I mean, you deal with that. You made the choice not to take the $65 an hour. The roadblocks? Yeah, like what, you know, what... What's the hurdle you have to jump in to finally make it? Because that, that changed your mind shift to be like, this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to open myself up. But then what do you do next? Like, how, how do you get what, off the streets? Oh, what I did was, it was a couple things. I spoke everywhere for free. Yeah. Everywhere. That and it, So at, you had already been public speaking, but now you're homeless. You're yeah, back. I'm homeless. So then how do you start getting, like, are you just going around networking, trying to build with networking, people you can go exactly. talk to? So what happens is, as you start speaking for free so many places, I started working with YBA, which is Youth Business Alliance. Uh, I mean, so many nonprofits. I don't want to name them all, but so many nonprofits. I was just like, forget it. Let me speak for free. And what happens is you start building rapport and they start recommending you. Mm-hmm. You know what? You should go speak at this school and, and they'll pay you $200, right. $150, $100. So I was like, all right, I'll just do it all. So I was just speaking nonstop. <laughs> and then I got up every morning. I would wake up at about six o'clock. I was parking in North Hollywood at this time. North Hollywood, uh, in park, it, park in your car to sleep in it. Yeah, yeah. Right, parking right. this parking area in North Hollywood. I don't even want to give it up because people still be parking there. Yeah, it's a good and spot. I don't want to bring no attention to it. Right. Um, but I was parking there, and I would get up every morning, and I would go straight to Panera Bread. So I wake up about six a.m. and then I would go park at the Studio City uh, Vons, and they got the Panera Bread back there, and I would just sit there, and I had my notebook, and I would write out everything until uh, Panera Bread would open, which I at this time, I think it was like 7 o'clock it opened, I want to say, or um, I would sit outside and wait to go in. And I would just sit down, literally, until I finished a chapter in a book. Mm. I would not get up until a chapter was done. So I sat there. Sometimes I'd be there for three hours. Right. F- four hours. And I'm like, I don't where do I got to go? I'm homeless. <laughs> right. So I sat there for three, four hours and then I got a chapter done. Then I got another chapter done. Then I got another chapter done. Before you know it, I finished my book, Seven Steps to Discover Your Inner Greatness. Mm. And that was just a breakdown of understanding yourself in the most succinct manner. It's only like 50 pages. So how do I get straight to the point of who I am and how can I overcome some of these internal battles? So I took all everything that I've accumulated in my life and put it into that book. You know, and they can get it to seven steps to discover your inner greatness at cyrusasar.com. There you go. But um and and that's how I started getting in. Cause you got schools that will buy a hundred books at a time. So telling being frank, you might have a margin. Like my book, I'm self-published, so it might cost me four or five dollars a piece. Right. Sometimes six dollars a piece, right? So a school will buy it for fourteen ninety five. 
fifteen dollars. Yeah. So I might bucks. yeah, ten bucks. And they might buy a hundred. Right. So I just made a thousand dollars. Right. And then you then I got one school in particular that bought five hundred. You get what I mean? Yeah. And that's when everything started changing. Yeah. You know, a mixture of everything else, speaking, getting paid, and then having people, you know, it was a lot, but that was starting to become my way of getting income. Right. Speaking for free, consistently, and then offering, you know, I got a book too, and can you connect me to anybody else? I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a group of, of children that's dealing with some problems. I don't care if it's five people. I don't right. care if it's anybody that can. I'm still like that now. I still speak for free, even though I get paid nice. But right. I still do free stuff, you know. But anyways, I just start spook- speaking to anybody that will listen. Huh. So and from there, obviously, starting a YouTube channel where I'm uh, answering a lot of the kids' questions. I'm talking about how to deal with manipulators. To I answer a lot of the questions that a lot of uh, that are not. Uh, that a lot of public speakers typically don't touch because it won't garnish the garner the the big following. Right. So how to deal with manipulators, how to how to talk to somebody that's dealing with drug issues. Like I cover all that on my YouTube channel. So then how long how long are you officially like homeless then? How long I was homeless for about a year and a damn. half collectively. God damn. Yeah. So Damn collectively. Cause I mean I was in a house Then I was back out on the streets And then I was traveling And still trying to understand myself You know you kind of had those building the street. You got all these battles going on in your head right. You know so Yeah about a year collectively Yeah, That's crazy Yeah it wasn't, it wasn't fun I say that You know what's funny When you homeless It's like the reversal You really don't like the holidays or the weekends mm. Cause everything shut down Right. You know what I mean yeah. So I used to like the weekdays. I'm like, at least everybody is working. School is in. I can get active. And I will say this thing about being homeless, though. Being homeless makes you the best listener of all time. If I met you at a coffee shop and we sitting down and we talking about life, I don't have nowhere to go. Right. So I can sit there and really listen to what you're talking about and really, like, get deep. And I'm like, oh. So I become like a therapist, essentially, mm. for a year and a half on top of all my experience in the past. And I got a chance to see the issues that's going on. So anytime you at the bottom, you get a chance to see all the things that's really going on. So like, let me give you an example of the homelessness in LA that's overlooked. So in Los Angeles, we know it's a high level of homelessness. Yeah. And at one point, they was dumping, you know, they dumped the urine and the feces and they dump all that stuff in the streets, right? Right. So... What did the city do to combat that? They end up putting porta potties down, right? So what I started understanding is there's classism inside classism. Mm. You there's like levels. Like there's a difference. Even when you homeless, there's a difference with homelessness when you got a car, park benches, are you a drunk homeless? Do you got your own tent? Right. There's different levels. They got people that's willing to bully. They got people that's willing to take from each other. Mm. You got all, even at homeless, you right. got somebody to be like, man, that's me. Right. Watch out, give me that blanket. Yeah, watch out. Right. You know what I mean? Do something about it. What you gonna do? Call the police? Right. Like they care about two homeless people fighting. Right. Who cares? So they will take your stuff. But anyways, what I started understanding is they put in a porta potty, right? And they thought that this was gonna help. You know, we are gonna put in this porta potty so they don't gotta dump feces in the streets and pee and all this other type of stuff what happened is the higher level homeless people took that shit over took it and now y'all gotta pay a dollar to use this right same thing happened with uh homeless shelters this is this is little known information you gotta be home you had to live homeless to really understand what i'm telling you right now 
you'll look at a homeless shelter and ask why is it at 60 percent capacity why is it at 70 percent capacity why isn't it full right why would you rather sleep on the street? It's a couple things. One, it can come with rules. They got to check in. You got to be in at 7, 8, 7 p.m. They're like, man, I don't want to check in at 7 p.m. You know, so that's one of the things. But the second thing is this. Let's just say, for, for the simple fact of easily being understood, let's say this, this uh, homeless shelter, let's say me and you is homeless, right? You got your girl, I got my girl, and it, and it got four beds. So I get in there. And I, I make sure you get in there, your girl get in there, my girl get in there. So we feel it. Now it's at 100% occupancy. All right. Tomorrow comes, I get in there, my girl get in there, you, your girl get in, and you running late, and then somebody else beat you to the spot. All right. Right. So now you out on the street while your girl is in there, I'm in there, and my girl in there. Right. You know what us three do to the guy that's in your spot? No. Nah. We're willing to antagonize him, beat him up, whatever. Right. Don't take Ben's spot ever again. Right. So now he doesn't come back. Yeah. Right? So now it's just us four in there consistently. So what happens when you don't show up, I don't show up, now it's 50% occupied. Right? My girl's in there, your girl's in there. So now you're dealing with a system that might say, from here on out, Ben is no longer coming. You know, let's say you decided you, I don't know, you moved up. So now we got three, me, your girl and my girl is living in this homeless shelter, but we got an empty bed. Now we can decide who's going to stay in and we going to charge rent. Right. Right? That's crazy. Shit, it's like now a homeless system, shelter, bro. they won't know. They just don't know why their occupancy is low. But now we're going to charge rent. Us three is ganging up to say, if you want a bed, you're going to give us $10. Right. And I'm like, I'm not paying you. This is for- okay. Then I'll see you outside. Right. See how that's going to work out. Let me go ahead and get out here early. See how that's going. See if you keep. See if you come here again and get this bed. You get what I'm saying? But being on that level is how you understand it. So the fact that I was on that level across the board, drugs, you know, uh, alcohol, prison system, homelessness. I have a a pretty vast understanding of what people was going through right. and how they can get through it. Man. It's a crazy crash course, huh? Yeah, I mean, I said it as quick as possible. Right, but goddamn. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's like that all the way around the board. It's like that with drugs. It's like right. that, you know? Because you get put in a position where you really don't have... It's not what people think. Let me give you some a street version, right? You know how you'll read a story and it'd be like 30-year-old rapes, 88-year-old woman. Now, right. That sounds crazy, right? You're like, yeah, dang, you're going to rape an 88-year-old woman? What the heck is wrong with you? Like, now let me put it in context. Rape is rape and it's messed up. But let me give you some context to it. All right. What happens when her grandson owes that man 250000 Right. And he's trying to get him. He's like, I can't find him. You know what? The first person I catch in your family, I'm doing something right. to. Right. I don't care who it is. Yeah. I caught your grandma. How can I abuse your grandma in the worst way to bring you out of hiding? Right. I'll rape her. Right. So he raped his grandma, and then next thing you know, the story is, man rapes grandma when he did. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. But contextually, it's not really what it was. No. It was the fact that he was trying to pull somebody out of hiding that owed him some bread or did something to somebody in his family. And when that comes down to it, they willing to go as far. I know people that they they be willing to they willing to do something to some kids, man. They don't care. Yeah, it's fucking so, crazy. So, but that's the mind state. So 
I'm saying that to say I don't want to get into that neither. I don't want to be a part of that violence. I know I'm not willing to go as far as some people is willing to go, willing to you know kidnap a kid. I'm not willing to do nothing like that. So what is best for me to stay completely away from it because I fully understand it. So I try and get that game to young kids too. I'm like, listen, you may not be willing to go as far as somebody you know when you're getting in his life. So you might want to stop playing, mm-hmm. stop playing, you know. And then it goes to drugs. How, how you might think how is there new crackheads you know what i'm saying how yeah. is there new heroin addicts and then you start understanding the dynamics of that when you got a woman that might show up and there's plenty of people that's hooked on coke and putting coke in blunts and then that might lead to this and then off some women they might come over a woman is really trying to get some drugs then you know to do horny that night you want some head he might want this and then that's how the transition can happen you know what just try it a little bit they're like man i ain't trying that Right. Try it a little bit You know what You try this And then we can have This crazy night And then who's selling drugs it ain't like the dude That was selling drugs Was ever a ladies man You know what I'm saying Some of them are But you're not really A ladies man And you meeting a woman That's desperate That you always Wanted to have sex with too So oh, come on man You willing to do Whatever she asking you To do to have sex with her And so And then next thing you know You turned out That person is on drugs So it's a lot of dynamics that I understand. Even even back in the day in the 80s, 70s when they was getting, they was freebasing. And a lot of freebasers turned into crackheads. Mm -hmm. You know, so freebasing pretty much smoking crack anyways. They just called it something else. So now you got them obviously popping pills and doing everything else. And they don't even understand what's in the pills. So I'm like, hey, you know, let me tell you, I read that book before. I know how the story ends. Right. And if you want that ending to your life, I mean, more power to you. But I suggest... That um, you live in a way that you like the results, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, if I if I wanna if I wanna be cut up and huge, then I should work out. Mm. If I wanna have a successful life, quote unquote, with finances or the woman that I wanna be with, what does that alignment look like? And put those things in place to the best of your ability. You're gonna fail right. on the path, but you're gonna fix yourself and you're gonna rebuild yourself. And on that journey, that's how you get to a certain level. Sheesh You know what I mean Hey Ben Good lord Told you I'm not pulling no punches I know right I'm still So is it You know Alright cool You get your first spot out in LA mm-hmm. Congratulations Thank you That's gotta be a weird feeling Yeah it was It was um Had four walls and a door Let me tell you how spoiled I, I became to myself I had to che- I always check myself How often do you check yourself When you really like I'm getting a little beside myself Right Yeah I don't know if you ever did that but I do it all the time where I really self-reflect like every Sunday I have a strong self-reflection about myself and figure out where, where, how can I be better than I was last mm-hmm. week or better than I was yesterday, every day. And I remember being in the car and when you're sleeping in the car, like your legs, you wake up with your legs numb because yeah. they like this. Right. You know, you're sitting down and your legs is like this. So I had to start putting a box up under me to straighten my legs. Right. Right. So I end up getting in my house and I'm sleeping on the carpet. And I remember at least it was warm. I was under this myth that L.A. is always warm. Lie. Right. Um, So I'm laying on the floor and my back start hurting. And then I remember getting an air mattress. And then, you know, when you roll on the air mattress, it sounds like scrunching and all this other type of stuff. And I remember like, man, I hate this air mattress. Let me get my bed, you know. Yeah. I hate this bed. Let me, you know, let me get an elevated platform. And that's when I check myself. I'm like, man, how are you ungrateful? Ungrateful for being on this air mattress, and you was just in your car with a box, with a box under your feet, just just being appreciative for a warm day. Right now, I'm in a house 
complaining about an air mattress, man, you better fix your mind. And that's how I talk to myself. Yeah, that. Right. You better fix your mind. If he, you better, you better change. Don't become that. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't drift too far, bro. Realize who you are and what you come from, and stay grounded. You know, you check yourself real hard. I check myself hard. You know, so and that's the way I talk to people too. You know, I'm like, look, we gotta really, you know. So sometimes people can love the way I talk, and sometimes it can rub people the wrong way but I truly mean well for people and sometimes I speak from that frustrating standpoint right and it can definitely rub people the wrong way so then in the last few years it's like you made major strides and you're starting to work with more organizations and and help thousands and thousands of kids and I'm sure like social workers and adults as well yeah adults I mean I do things for every, like I do training for uh, adults that work at schools and whatnot how, how they can Realize what students are going through. Yeah, um, I do workshops with this workbook, and you know, and um, Kevin Hart Studios and Dr. Norris Dorsey brought these in. And um, I mean, I, I do it all any way that I can help people understand themselves. It's like converting the unconscious to conscious. Mm. They said the role, and I got this from Kwame Ture. The role of the conscious is not to wake up the unconscious. The role of the conscious is to make the unconscious aware of their unconscious behavior. Hmm. I was like, man, that's deep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not to wake them up, but to make them aware of their unconscious behavior. Because you might be doing self-destructive actions that you don't even know is destructive. Right? You're yeah. not even aware of it. You know, it's like texting and driving. You look, boom. You didn't know that car was coming. Right. You know, you got hit. But yeah, I do training. I do workshops. I do one-on-one sessions. Uh, it's people that call me. It's people that email me questions, and then I answer them on YouTube. Like, Because one of the things that I got was I don't want to commit suicide, but I don't want to wake up tomorrow. That's one of my most common emails. Um, I end up riding a bicycle from Los Angeles to Ohio, a 40-day bike ride. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah. That's um, a long, long-ass ride. Super, and it really hurts your butt and whatnot, but... Um, just, just, just throwing out everything. But I just did that for mental health awareness, by the way, because I was thinking, what way can I draw a lot of attention to what's going on in the school system? And you know, kids, write me something like, "What do I do if my father is beating my mother and I can't go to the police because they're gonna put us in foster care? What do I do?" Hmm. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm like, "Whoa, that's a heavy load," and I've got to figure out the right way to answer it based upon the circumstances that they're in. And certain things I do got to turn into the school because I might get anonymous writing of, you know, I'm being molested or something like that. I was like, I got to turn this in. I have to. I'm like, can you please see if you can understand this handwriting so we can figure this out? You cannot allow that to continue going. Right. You know, certain things I do got to turn in, but certain things I give the answer to. But yeah, on all aspects of trying to help people understand themselves, I try my best to reach out on that. Hmm. Whether it is doing a speech and it's 800 to 1,500 students or whether it's a classroom of three, it doesn't matter. Whether it's a one-on-one session, you know, we end up talking about stuff and you might tell me, man, you know, this is what's going on with black with no cream. I'm just, you know, I'm having, it's mental. Like, mentally it's hard and I'll reassure you how great you are through the, helping you understand. Look, man, you came from Iowa. Right. You did this. You did this. You started off skateboarding. You did this. You was doing skate video. And I'll reassure you of the things you already know that's inside you. And once you get a firm understanding of that, you're like, wait a minute. I am, I am, I am pretty great. You know, my girl is lucky to be with me. And I'm being funny on that one. (laughs) But, you know, my girl is lucky to be with me. 
So all those things is what I just reassure people about themselves. But I just don't pull no punches. And I think that's appreciated. But is it hard when you have like, like as a job, your job is to speak to people, right? Yes, sir. There's so many times where you're getting anonymous messages, emails, et cetera, where that's, you're just on the clock of life, but you're not like, I could email you tomorrow about my problem. You'd have to sit here and have this, how the fuck do I answer this shit? And you're, you're spending three hours trying to draft up an email or whatever, and, or going back and forth with somebody. And that's not like you're making money for it. So it's like, how do you find the balance to, to strive through that where there's so many times or occurrences where someone's reaching out and you might obviously not getting paid for it because that's it's like the weirdest part. But then you go into a speaking engagement that would pay you for it. Mm-hmm. Or well, it's kind of compartmentalized. Let me give you an example. Yeah. If somebody write an email about I'm having a hard time. Well, my 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 dad is treating my sister better than me because she lives with him. You know, I get right. stuff like that. Yeah. I stay with my mom. He she stays with her mom, and my dad still lives with them. So my dad treats me worse than he treats her. So if I get a couple of those, I answer that on YouTube. Right. You know, and then I send it to that person directly. And I'm like, share this with the people you think, you know, resonate with them. Right. Majority of the time when they reply, I try to answer those things through YouTube. Mm -hmm. So with those questions, dealing with habitual uh, manipulators, how to deal with people that, you know, envy you, how to deal with somebody that, how to, how to control your emotions, how to control your attitude or your anger. I, I deal with a lot of those those things yeah. through YouTube. Now, if it becomes very specific, like, um, let me give you an example. When I get certain emails, I will do a one-on-one session. Sometimes it'd be free. Like, I do three, 30 minutes or an hour. And unfortunately, I do have to charge when you're asking for 10 sessions. Right. 15 sessions. I just have to. Yeah, it's you like know? a counselor. So, um, so that's how I do. I kind of compartmentalize. Yeah, I knew what you meant. Uh, it's like compartmentalizing. You look at each issue and you address it. Like, okay. It's just like somebody coming to you. It's like because it's in my field, I've been doing it for so long. It's like when I come to you and I and I tell you what I want. Well, I want this type of video. I want to shoot it. I want to do this. You like you can almost add up the budget. You're right. like, okay, you want this. To, uh, that's about, about 4500 Right. The way you can piece it together or the way you can compartmentalize, okay, that would probably take me about 45 minutes. Right. Okay, you asking for that. That's about 15 sessions. You got to, you know, I'm sorry, you have to pay this right. for what you ask. Right. Similar to the same thing. So for me, it's like, what issue are they bringing to me and how severe is it? Because sometimes I might say, we got we to gotta recommend you for count. Like, you got to get a psychologist. Let me right. recommend you to somebody else and let me send you that way. And since I got a relationship with them, I talk to them about giving you a first couple of free sessions. Right. Let me really help you that way. Right. Sometimes it is YouTube. Sometimes it is recommend me to speak at your school. Hmm. I'll come to your school and then I can talk to your class and then I can give you some one on one time after that. Right. So it varies depending upon location, uh, subject matter, what they're talking about. It is it, no one way, you know, so that's yeah. what I'm saying. Are you traveling all the time? Pretty much. Yeah, I'll go back to Ohio. Coming up, um, we went to Barcelona. Damn. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I travel. So in LA, you just did an event that had like how many people? 24,000 kids. 24,000 kids. Yeah. Talk about that. STEM event. It was, uh, which is science, technology, engineering, math, right? And that's pretty much the wave of what's coming on right now. What we did was serve as the centerpiece because I got a chance to talk to the people that's running, which was um, MWC and Yomo, Youth Mobile is Yomo. 
And I asked them, I said, do you have anything to address the mental parts of what kids are going through before they choose a career? Now, we got NASA here. We got Microsoft here. We got I mean, we got some great companies here. And I think it's amazing that we can provide opportunities for these kids to get jobs within these places. But the number one email I get is I don't want to kill myself, but I don't want to wake up tomorrow either. Right. Are we addressing that before we tell them to get a job? Hmm. He said, no. I said, hmm, sounds like we, we need to that. address yeah. that. So what happened is I became the centerpiece of it. And the centerpiece represented helping kids understand themselves and connecting that to a job. Mm. So I had therapists. I had different people at these tables playing Uno with kids. And I had another guy at a whiteboard. I had um, puzzles and Connect Four. And I had a big table where they can fill out this workbook and different worksheets and whatnot. And we was using that as a base to help them. So not only... Can they go check out NASA? We can also help them with a mind state. Yeah. So that's what it was, you know, over those three days. So that's the role that we play. But like I said, it was 24,000 kids, I believe. That's crazy. Forgive me if I get the number wrong, but right. it was so many yeah. that it was over over 16,000. And after that, I mean, who can really count? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's what it was. And, and we got a chance to reach a ton of kids, a that's ton great. of kids, man, because... And you know what was funny? A lot of the teachers didn't get it, but the students did. And I thought it was pretty interesting because some teachers will walk past and be like, no, oh, they're just playing Uno. Let's go to NASA. Mm. Right. Let's, oh, they're only playing Uno. I'm like, we're not just playing Uno. These are professionals that help kids deal with their problems. Right. So the people that did sit down, they were playing Uno. Then they had to leave. Like the teachers were like, we got to go. And they was coming back or some, some students started crying. Like, we don't want to leave here. I got a question game that they're really talking to somebody. They're flipping open questions and saying, excuse me. They're flipping over questions and saying, well, what do you want to do in life? They're like, I don't know. So I got somebody really breaking that down right. to an 11th grader, 12th grader, as young as we didn't ask those questions, but as young as fifth grade. Right. So, you know, so we got somebody playing questions and, and really giving them hands on attention, saying, you know, how are you? Yeah, that shit will go a long ways. What are you up to? Why are you sad? Because this teacher might, man, I'm tired. He always crying. I ain't trying to deal with you. know what I mean? Yeah. You kind of get that. You ever seen it? Cry babies? You're like, man, you always crying. Right. Man, ain't nobody trying to hear that. Right. But we might not address why they're crying. Mm. So let me give you this example. All right. Have you ever had your little niece or nephew? You got any nieces, nephews, or little cousins? I just cousins? got my first nephew. Yeah, little, little cousins. And you have heard them, or you might have done this with your mom, and you'd be like, Mom, 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 mom. Why you like two years old? Yeah. What? And then you might jump. See, mom, look. Right. I jumped. She's like, Oh, great job, Ben. Okay, great job. Mom, mom, mom. Jump. What? You spin around. See, look, mom, look. Spin around. The question is, what happens when you say mom, 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 and mom never looks? Hmm. Mom never looks And that's the kid That I'll be helping Right Because then what happens What happened to a young girl That never got no attention Never got told She was beautiful Right What happens to her When she get 14 And a young man tell you You know what You beautiful Yeah You know what she does She reciprocates that Compliment with her body What else does she know She never learned To say thank you for this She's like Oh this He liked me Right What do I do 
all the videos say I need to do this. All the music say I need to do this. Yeah. You know, this artist told me I need to do this. And that's who I learned from. Therefore, I need to do this. Right. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. now you 13, 14 and pregnant. Fuck. So I mean it's so many Yeah We can get so deep But it's so many dynamics to this It's no one way Is what I be saying So I can't address every issue the same Well yeah So as you move forward What's your like strategy Like what's your plan moving forward My plan My bigger plan is I want to have I will have Let's go ahead If I live to see it um, A mental health cafe Okay I want to have an interactive cafe I want to have a cafe Where they can come and get these books And get if somebody you can have the idea mm-hmm. I don't care you know because I know what I want to do if this idea sounds great to you then do it too um, I want to have a mental health interactive cafe like a community center so they can come in and the backbone of it will be smoothies and juices and sandwiches etc but also there's tables that we can have those uno with therapists and whatnot to have right. people come in and help it's not just I'm about to come here. Now you can just show up and get a smoothie and a sandwich and roll. They got vitamin B and the the proper. But I wanted to create this environment of learning. So when you walk in to get a smoothie, at least you can learn what is sea moss, what is you know uh, ginger root, what is what's the properties of it. Right. It ain't just taking it. What is it? So if you got headaches, do what do you take? You too. Ibuprofen. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, some people might think, you know, I got a headache, so I'm going to take this. And you may not even be taking the right stuff. Right. right. So, what I'm saying is same thing to go in our bodies. You might say, you know what, I'm feeling depressed. Is it from the food? Right. I don't know. Is it from your lack of hydration? Is it from your lack of sleep? Sometimes you just got some a-holes around you. Right. That's tearing you down. Is it from that? Is it from the fact that your girl just left you? Is it from the fact that you're playing video games all day and you never had the sun hit you in days and you don't got no, you know, what is it from? So the fact that I can create a center like that is my overall goal. Um, You're in the process of that, aren't you? I'm in the process. Hard. You know, I'm learning it and it's some things that I feel like I still need to learn. So what I'm trying to do is use my popularity as leverage. Mm -hmm. So... Um, if you listening to this, please follow me at Cyrus Asari Instagram. Please even if you it. don't, even if you just want to mute me, link in the bio. I just want the numbers because I understand that um, popularity is the currency. Right. So if I'm able to use that as leverage to help kids more, that's what my goal is. Right. Obviously, you know me, you know, but I'm doing this since 13. It's not a. I don't care about the following per right. se, but I know I can use that as a tool to reach more kids. And when I set up this center. It's like a celebrity is setting up this center. It's like somebody that really care about us is setting up this center to help us. Right. And since I've already been doing programming with the Boys and Girls Club for so many years, and I understand it, I understand how to write grants, I understand all that stuff, um, I'm going to use all those tools with a mixture of a wise way. So now, if I got this, let's say I do got this community center and I got smoothies and we're talking about mental health and I say, you know, what is the correlation between depression and film? How about I have Ben come in and I have a doctor come yeah, in? Yeah, of course. And you can have smoothies and sandwiches and we can sit around and learn. And film it all for the and people film that it are all, in Ohio. And put it out, etc. So that's what I'm saying. So I want to build that. And then my final goal is a retreat. You mm-hmm. know, I, want, I would love to have a retreat to help people deal with mental health like that getaway. 
because you got places like uh, Iowa or Ohio that got desolate land yeah. that's separated from everything. You don't got to worry about too much cords or uh, Wi-Fi right. or whatever. So if you can get away and I can create an environment where you can collectively really do something fun that can take your mind off of what you're going through, that will be a blessing. And how I can build that is the way I'm continue on going. So I can have Ben come out. Mm-hmm. I can have, you know, Matt Alonzo, shout out to him. He can come out. Or I can have, you know, this therapist or whatnot come out and be the backbone to this retreat center. Right. And in the meantime, I can still have local communities come there and work out, work out of it. You got them, them like, because you got, you got empty space. So anytime it's not being used, it can be fulfilled. Right. And I understand that. So anytime it's not being fulfilled, what about that local a dance team that don't got nowhere to go and they can't afford the room. You can come here. Yeah. Let's just set it up. Yeah. So that's really what I want to do, you know, in a long, in a grand scheme of things. And I know it's going to be challenging because it's going to be a lot of ups and downs. You're going to got people that's going to be like, your juice isn't pasteurized, <laughs> you know, bad ratings. Yeah. You know, so your game, I don't like it. Your workbook sucks. You know, your book is grammatically incorrect. You get all those things, but I don't care. I'm right. going to figure it out. I'm going to move forward. And if I live to see it, it's going to get done. It's that simple. Right. Yeah, I love that shit. You know, it's that simple. No, nah, it's impressive, man. You, you've you been through it, and you're putting on a lot for a lot of people, which is needed. Period. Absolutely needed. I just look at this time thing. Let me tell you a story. My brother, my I say my brother, but my best friend died last year on a motorcycle, right? Yeah, and I've been knowing him since the third grade. Damn. He was um, somebody I talk to regularly, and I tell this story too to a few people here and there because it means a lot to me, and it means a lot to hopefully people can listen to this and get something out of it. Best friend from the third grade, we talk once a week. One of them people we was they confused us, same size, etc. Share clothes like a brother. Um, he was on my phone plan, and. I got a call, you know, that he died on a motorcycle. And what's funny is he had got into a motorcycle accident prior. And I'm like, bro, get off this. It's not the fact that you can't ride. It's the fact that people don't, don't pay attention no more. Yeah, yeah. Like they're texting. And when they swerve over, it's a fender bender in the car. You're out of here. Yeah. Right? right. So anyways, he got back on the bicycle and he didn't tell any of us, any of his closest friends, because he knew Damn. we would have took it, you yeah. know. Um, anyways, he passed away on a motorcycle. His name is Jeffrey Ford. He passed away on a motorcycle, and I end up going back to Atlanta to be with his family, and I end up getting my phone back from him, right? And the phone was cracked, but I still know the passcode yeah. or whatever. But anyways, I got a chance to see all his text messages, hmm. right? So he was on his way to go visit a girl. So he texted her, you know, she was like, I want, I want to see you, et cetera. He like, all right, I'm on my way, right? So he's on his way to go see her. Boom, that's when he died. And I seen her responses. Her responses was, I knew you wasn't coming. You a liar. Lose my number, right? She didn't even know he was dead. Damn. You know what I mean? She yeah. did not know he was dead. And I stayed in his apartment that night, you know? And when I woke up the next morning, his alarm went off on his phone, right? And I was just, I sat there and I thought, I'm driving his car, his family, you know, I know his family, like, they know me, yeah, know right, me. Right. So I get there, he got a car there. I'm driving his car with his keys in his apartment, and he's dead, right? right? So for some people, they're like, I don't know how you stay in, you know, his apartment if he's gone. I'm like, nah, it's, I can do that. 
So anyways, I stay there. I wake up as alarm go off. And I was just like, bro, he had a day planned. Right. He had a week planned. So it's arrogant to believe that we're going to wake up tomorrow. Hmm. It's arrogant for you to sit back and say, you know what? This is what I'm going to do next Friday. How you know you're going to see it? You don't know that. Right. I felt, I feel every day, you know what? I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this. I don't know if I'm going to see it. So if I don't know I'm going to see tomorrow, what should I do with my time? I should try my best to maximize it. How do I represent myself in the purest form and get that to the world? So whether I am doing film, like some of your, you know, the viewers, how do you represent yourself to the purest form? I'm not saying you got to step completely away from making your money. Because I know in film you have to do that. You got to take some projects you don't really want to do to pay mm-hmm. your bills. I'm not telling nobody not to do that. I'm saying how do you represent yourself in the purest form? For real, for real. And you give that to the world because you just don't know who is going to inspire how many. Because Muhammad Ali inspired me, you know, and ain't like I ever met him. Mm-hmm. It was just he was being himself on a boxing platform. Boxing was a tool to let his message get out, right? So you never know. If you are that person that inspires some, you know how many people you inspired? You, Ben. You know how many people you inspire by creating this platform and talking to people? Now, you're not going to get all the praise. Right. You're going to get a few people here and there that's going to say, Ben, thank you. You know what? This this really inspired me. But everybody is going to reach way more people than you think. It's like it's one every one time you're going to get acknowledgement. It's like 30 people know. Right. You know what I'm saying? So... The fact that you created this with your friend and everything, this is a part that's not going nowhere. Yeah. It's your stamp and it's a purest form of you. You could have just said, you know what, I'm about to just keep shooting for Beyonce and keep trying to move up in that corporate ladder per se and just go after that bag. Because now that I did this stuff with Beyonce, I can get any, pretty much any gig, especially with an artist yeah. who's going to turn you down now right. for a tour. Nobody right. So you could have put together Your press kit And just sent that out But you created Black with no cream Yeah Why Why would you do that Why would you step away Because it's something That means a little bit more to you I don't You don't even gotta tell me that I know Cause yeah. who would do that Right You know what I mean <laughs> So that It's clearly something That means a little bit more to you And that's what I'm That's what I'm saying To people in general You connect with that And that's how we change this world You start with yourself You try and be the best version of yourself You get yourself to the world in a purest form And that's what inspires people Mm. You don't have to be nobody that you ain't Because you just don't know Just like you've been inspired Like you've been inspired by somebody How do they know that you was inspired by them Just like you inspire somebody else 14, 15, 16, 17 That's on black with no cream And they looking at your updates And can't wait to the next guest you have on right. And they following And that's inspiring them Yeah And that's what changed the world Like you know You might be the You might have provided the spark That's gonna have the next filmmaker Make the biggest movie of all time And then they gonna get on stage You might be 110 years old And out of here Yeah and then they're going to say, well, I was watching Black With No Cream when I was, you know, 30 years old. And, you know, Ben, it was this guy named Ben, and he interviewed this guy, Cyrus. Yeah. Let's go ahead and say that. And their conversation inspired me, and they saying this at Oscars now. We don't get the credit for it. We gone right. already. Just like Tupac inspired me, Muhammad Ali inspired me, Malcolm X inspired me. You know, all these different types of people inspired me. It's not like they get the credit They're gone Right But they left a stamp By being a purest form of themselves So that's what I'm saying No, yeah, that's so impressive dog I I uh, completely agree with you And it's a, it's really a lot 
like you take on a lot to have to navigate through all this shit and deal with all these other people's problems it's like a doctor having to you know someone passes on the table it's like you got to do that and then go right back to the next person and that's just so crazy you're always got people's lives in your hands and and it's not easy for your mental health to have to deal with all these other people's mental health and almost get it twisted too so to be able to like stand up to the plate and do that i I commend you for that i appreciate it no it, it plays its toll it's just for me it's different like i don't i look at it as this is something that I I feel like I have to do. Mm. Like I feel like it's a disservice if I be quiet. Right. I feel like it's a disservice if I stop. So the perception of the heaviness doesn't hit me the same. Yeah. When I do hear about molestation or I do hear about abuse or whatnot, now I'm empathetic to all suffer. Yeah. So it hurts to hear it, but I'm currently active. So I know I'm in motion to resolve what's being complained to me about. Right. So it's like I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I not, I may not reach them all, but I'm on my way. So as long as I'm on my way, if I keep if I fall back, then I'm a I'm gonna lose some steam to really assist the other people. So that's like my drive. So yeah. you know, it's it's internal burn because it's something that I truly want to do. I truly enjoy doing. Yeah, I can tell. So. I really don't get discouraged in that in that field, but I go through my ups and downs just like everybody else. Right. So yeah. Um, so before we wrap this up, I I want you to plug both the, the so is it a book and the workbook? That's I what do you got, got a right? book. I got seven steps to discover your inner greatness, which you can get where CyrusAsar.com. Okay. And this life and career choice workbook, which help people understand themselves and connect themselves to. So if you one of them people, whether because they took it into Kevin Hart Studio to help people with film. Yeah, it's dope. And that's what they use this for. They said, look, everybody, y'all probably said this. They said, when you look at the credits of a movie, all those people are jobs. Jobs. That don't mean you have to be in front of the camera or directly holding it. You might be what they call a DP. DP. Yeah. yeah. Sound, yep. which is extremely important. Yeah. That get, get overlooked. But um, they use this workbook. So, because you can study things, you can start looking into people. Like, you might add, like, for example, we might say, who the top five movie producers, like film people? You might say, hypothetically, you know, Steven Spielberg, blah, 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 blah. You'd be like, who's the best sound man? Oh, drawing blank. Right. You think you might want to study that? Right. If you want to get into sound? Yeah. Who's the best, you know, who's the best other producer, whatever? Right, right. Who's the best, you know, who's the best costume director? Hmm. How you don't know that if this is your field, if this is not your field, I don't know. But if you want to be a costume person, it would be wise to know who's the best at it and how they go about it. So this book helps you do that. Right. That's awesome. Um, I always let my guests pick a hashtag. Right. So I'm a. They're gonna go to your Instagram and they're gonna tag me on whatever your most recent post is. By the time they listen to this podcast, because we're talking, it's an hour forty minutes. Oh, I knew we was gonna get into it. Um. But if you listen to it all the way, this is how we both know that they listen to it all the way through. So you're going to tag me at Ben Rovers World on your Instagram account, and they're going to, whatever the most recent post is, they're going to put this hashtag that you pick. And it's a custom hashtag so that you and I both know that they listen to it all the way through. Oh, growing to greatness. Growing to greatness. Yes. Oh, yeah. You can get, I'm going to give you one of my shirts, too. And, and my I got God. My hat and stuff like that. Grow into greatness, people. Grow into greatness. Put it down. Um, you can use it from here on out, too. Use it for the rest of your life. Right. Grow into greatness. I love that. Um, is there anything else you want to say, man? This is great. I want to say I thank you. I thank What's your name again? I'm sorry. <laughs> Dave. I want to thank Dave. I want to thank everybody that put together this platform. I want to thank um, the people that swept your steps that I was able to walk up Man. today. Yeah. 
I want to thank the people that put this building together. I want to thank everybody that has contributed anything to this world to make it better. Damn. So that's what I want to do. I do too. <laughs> I'm going to ride off that one. I do too. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. Um, all right. Well, we'll put links to all your stuff in the, in the bio and everything. I appreciate you coming, man. I appreciate you. Another one. First one in 2020. We did yes, it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, cool. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Man, I enjoyed that. I, I knew know. we was going to get into it. That's it for episode 148. Huge thank you to Cyrus for coming on the show. Stay tuned this Wednesday for another Morning Roast episode, and we will see you back on Sunday for another interview. Uh, we love you, and I just wanted you to know that. See you in a few days. You be-